Thank you so much for coming. I had promised last week that we would go ahead and link up our last series with this series. I did not get to it, uh, as is my won't, um, but I want to get to it at the very outset tonight. Uh, last series, we talked about the stories of Rabbi Nachman of Breslov. And uh, in, in the 13 principal stories, there's one of the stories called Masa Bechiger, a story of the lame son, as it's translated in English. Uh, lame, I guess, an outmoded term for somebody that's, uh, that is uh, crippled, that is physically disabled, couldn't uh, walk. Uh, there is, um, I was looking in uh, one of the sfarm that I was using in preparing the shirim, and the sefer that I was using in preparing the shirim uh, comes, it's called Yeshua's Essa. Uh, it comes from uh, one of the most important uh, Breslov tzaddikim and mashpiim influencers, uh, I guess you could say. Uh, his name is Rav Yaakov Meir Shechter. I had the schos of meeting him, getting a bracha from him before my, uh, before my wedding. Um, absolutely radiant, uh, radiant human being. Um, you know, they, they tell you stories about, you know, the, this tzaddik or this righteous man or woman, you know, their face shines. Rav Yaakov Meir Shechter really shines. It's a, it's a palpable thing, and, and uh, frankly, I consider myself more rationalist uh, leaning, especially nowadays in our uh, in our day and age. Uh, how could there be such an individual that's around nowadays? Vyakamir Shechter, and there are plenty others like it. Uh, who is, was exactly that. He, he, um, he quoted a Breslov tradition that this story, Maaseh B'chiger, is uh, completely referring to Sefer Tehillim, to the Book of Psalms. Um, the story starts off with a father. The story starts off with the father uh, imploring his children uh, before his death to go ahead and to find trees and to plant them. And I guess it's apropos because we just finished uh, the uh, Tubishvat, uh, the holiday of the trees. And, um, and he tells his children, he says, whatever you do, you know, you could have jobs, you could be involved in the world. Whatever you do, make sure that you uh, water the trees and you take care of the trees. That was his, uh, that was his cryptic, uh, that was his cryptic in, uh, command to his children on his deathbed. And the story continues, we won't go through the entire story, but the story continues that, uh, that one of his children was this chiger, was this lame child, and uh, one day was attacked in a wagon uh, by a band of uh, robbers and bandits, and uh, as he's sitting there, he's abandoned, uh, basically, and as he's uh, lying there and he, he's surviving on grasses and he's crawling around the forest, very uh, uh, grotesque almost in his suffering, and he discovers a diamond. And the diamond allows him to go ahead and to perceive the world as it is and to see the world in all places to transport himself. Uh, and the diamond transports him to a conversation between the sun and the moon. And uh, it's a Rabbi Nachman story. And it, we could spend a whole long time on it, but that was last series. I'm sure we'll have opportunity, Mir Hashem, to get back to learning uh, Rabbi Nachman stories at some point, maybe in a future series. But uh, the story, the son goes ahead and laments. He says that there's a tree. He describes a tree, and he describes a tree as providing sustenance, as going ahead and providing shade, all the beautiful things that a tree does. And the sun is lamenting the fact that the sun goes ahead and dries out the tree. And what can he do? The radiant heat of the sun dries out the tree and counteracts all the efforts to nurture the tree. And this tree becomes the center of the story because eventually the Chiger, um, I'll let you read the story in English, it's a beautiful translation out there from Rabbi Kaplan, uh, but the story eventually goes ahead and leads us to the point where the Chiger, uh, this, uh, the lame son, is able to go ahead and to figure out a way in which to water the tree. Now, uh, the Breslov tradition is that this story, which is left unexplained, as are many of Rabbi Nachman's stories, the Breslov tradition that's printed at the end of the story in some of the editions, is that the tree is referring to none other than the first tree in, uh, in Sefer Tillim. And I'll just uh, read you from Sefer Tillim from the very first capital, although we're not quite up to learning the chapters of Tehillim as we will in the future installments of this series. It says, and this is uh, actually this psalm, uh, 
Lo Aleinu, I have experience saying uh, it's usually the second psalm that's that's uh, state that's said over at a funeral. Uh, so, as an assistant rabbi, I'm usually the one that says the second psalm, Lo Aleinu, and this is the psalm, so the first psalm. That's Praiseworthy is the individual who doesn't go in the counsel of the wicked and doesn't stand or walk down the path of sinners. Nor does that person sit amongst the scoffers and the people that mock that which is serious. This person desires Torah, studies the Torah day and night. And this individual is likened to a tree which is planted firmly over nourishing waters. So this individual, a life well lived, is comparable to a tree that gives its fruit at the proper time, that is nourished constantly. Now, extending the metaphor, we know that the greatest metaphor for Torah is water. And uh, the Breslov tradition is that this is the tree to which Rabbi Nachman is referring to in this story, and that the tree constantly outgrowing with many different branches that spread out, that provides the sustenance to the whole world, the Eitz Chaim, the tree of life, that this tree is the, the book of Tehillim. That uh, for everybody, the Chol HaChaim Yudu Chasela, every single individual gives praise to God and Shevach to God. And the way that we do that refracts in many different ways. And the book of Tehillim, as we go ahead and explore it deeper and deeper, we'll find gives expression, as we mentioned last week, to every single type of human being, to every single situation in which they might be, that it goes ahead and addresses and gives us a language in order to address God and ourselves, no matter the situation we find ourselves in, from the very highest mi'igra rama, from the very highest peaks of joy and jubilation and ecstasy, to, to bira amikta, to the deepest pit, to the pits of despair and to the pits of suffering, Tehillim contains expression for that. It's like a nourishing tree and that the different ways in which the branches go ahead and spread out refers to the different ways in which Tehillim goes ahead and spreads out and touches every person's soul and allows them to express themselves to God uh, with the words of David HaMelech. So that was the story of Rabbi Nachman tied into a little bit to Tu B'Shvat, the tree, the tree of Tehillim. And uh, I guess it's not for naught that the very first chapter in Tehillim starts off with a metaphor comparing a human being, Vayak eight Shatula Palgemaim, comparing a human being to this perfect tree planted on nourishing waters, Pirio Ito, giving fruit at the proper time. Aleilo Yibal with uh, its leaves do not wither. That's the, the human being is comparable to the tree. To what shall I compare thee? The uh, second thing I want to talk about today is an explanation of the title of the Shirim. We had called the Shirim uh, Deep Calling Unto Deep, and I wanted to, somebody asked, what is that, uh, what do you mean by that? So uh, when I do have the opportunity to say the Tikkun Klali of Rabbi Nachman, the prescription, uh, the prescription of ten Tehillim, ten Psalms to be recited daily, uh, more than daily, whenever a person feels like it. So the Tikkun Klali contains one of the Mizmorei Tehillim in the Tikkun Klali, comes from Tehillim chapter 42. And the Pasuk is one that always, whenever I say it, gives me pause, makes you stop, because uh, the depth of the words over here is really something that's shocking in their poesis and their poetic nature. And we say, Tahom el Tahom kore I'll try and translate it. Tahom el Tahom kore Deep calls unto deep. Sinor is like um, a pipe. Sinor is a way in which uh, sustenance, in which water, in which, uh, in which life force is distributed. Tahom el tahom kore lekol tzinorecha. Deep calls unto deep with the voice of God's tzinorim, with God's ways of giving sustenance to the world. 
And then it continues, And all, referring now to God, every wave that you've thrown at me, every time that I've been broken down, they've passed over to me. Deep calling unto deep is the human soul which is a portion of Chelek Elokamimal. We believe that's a portion of uh, God above, that it's something that's divine, that's uh, instilled within us. When we go ahead and we call out to God, when we call out to God in truth, so what we're actually doing is we're calling out deep of our souls, the depth of our souls, the depth of unknowable God, to the depth of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And this kind of interplay, this kind of relationship between our deepest feelings and Kadosh Baruch Hu is the, the language of that expression, is the language of Tehillim. Which no matter what passes over to me, I seek from my depths to call out uh, to God's depths. This is expressed in other places until Mimamakim, right? From the deepest depths, from the deepest valleys, I call out to God. We find also, we talked about Mizmur Ledavid, Hashem Roilo Echsar, right? That we say that uh, even though I walk in the deepest, darkest valleys of the shadow of death, so I, I fear nothing because God is with me. So I thought, uh, what a fitting way to conceptualize Tehillim. And every time that we say Tehillim as the depths of our soul, calling on to the depths of godliness tahom el tahom kori sinurecha the um, the last thing i want to talk about we were doing some introduction explanation to hillam last week uh, is about david hamelech as the quintessential singer uh, we're going to talk we're going to learn a source tonight which calls david hamelech uh, which comes from shmuel bet really which calls david hamelech the sweet singer of israel naim zmiros yisrael and what exactly that means, we'll get to in a couple of moments, but the clues are already there in Tanakh. I'll just read, this is from the introduction of the Das Mikra edition of, uh, of Tanakh. And it says that there are a number of places in, in, uh, in Shmuel Beis, in Tanakh, before you even get to, uh, before you even get to Tillam, where David HaMelech is a musical soul, a poetic soul, for example. So uh, it's told about David, Shmuel says about David that he is Yodea Nagin, Yoda Nagin, that David HaMelech knows how to play that he would play in his hands a kinor, he would play a harp before Shaul, uh, before Shaul Melech and his melodies would go ahead and would ease Shaul's pain, would calm Shaul down. That was David HaMelech, so he would move the Ruach Ra, he would move the bad spirit from Shaul. He would play and the spirit would move him. Furthermore, we find also that David HaMelech knew about playing uh, instruments from his days as a shepherd. That David HaMelech is described as having played the flute or, uh, or played instruments while he was in the fields together with his, uh, with his flocks. And certainly one who's in the fields all day understands that there's also a song that, the, that, that nature sings as well. Nature comes together. The siyach hasada, the conversations of the fields. Right? That every animal, everything, as we know in Perak Shira, uh, chapter song, it talks about the song that every animal, even the dogs, even dogs sing Takadosh Baruch Hu. Every single animal, every single part of creation sings and has Tehillim in its own version. Takadosh Baruch Hu. David HaMelech uh, is, uh, is, is always associated with that. Uh, before I take your question, in Dafyomi itself, we passed over the fact that David HaMelech used to keep musical instruments in his palace and would wake up in the middle of the night when the spirit moved him after he would sleep, uh, you know, less than 60 horsepress. He would sleep very little at night and he would wake up and he would play instruments. And these instruments were expression of his connection to God and how he would call out to God. Yes? I, just, I was connected to, were you talking about the, 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 the grass in the field? Wasn't that a rough rough? Right, so Rabbi Nachman of Reslov, I, I believe, I believe that Rabbi Nachman says that for every blade of grass, there is an angel 
there's an angel that stands over it and, and hits the blade of grass and says, grow, grow, uh, but that everything comes together to sing the song of creation. Uh, it's fair. I'm a little bit fuzzy on it right now. I didn't prepare it well enough, but, uh, but yes, there is such a thing. So I want to jump right back into source number three on our sheets. Last week, we talked about the 10 different versions uh, of song that are contained in Tehillim, the shvach, the praise of God that's in Tehillim. And then we also talked about the fact that all of the tefillot, all of Tehillim is associated, is compiled by David HaMelech. This is his book, although we'll see tonight that there were other authors indeed of Tehillim, that there were other people uh, whose songs to God are contained within this very book. Source number three, Tanu Rabbanan. Our rabbis taught, there's the English on the left side of the page as well, if you want to follow along. Kol shiros David Tehillim. All the songs and praises that David HaMelech sang in the book of Tehillim, Rabbi Elazar Oimer Keneged Atzmo Amram. Rabbi Elazar tells us that David Amelech was referring to himself. They are autobiographical. Tehillim is autobiographical. And Martini might be right that if it's, this is about somebody else's expression of their relationship with God, it might be difficult for us to go ahead and to tap into such a thing. But hold on, because it's a machlokis. Rabbi Yeshua Omer. Rabbi Yeshua says, Keneged Sibur Amran. David HaMelech was singing his songs, he was composing his songs to, in reference to the entire tzibur, to the congregation, to the community. Chachamim Omrim, Chachamim Resolve, they split the difference between Rabbi Lezer and Rabbi Yoshua. Chachamim say, Yesh mehen keneget tzibur, so there are some of them which are referring to the community. Yesh mehen keneget atzmo, and some of Psalms are referring to David, referring to himself. Ha'amurot balashan yachid, those Tehillim which are phrased in the singular, Keneged Atzmo, they're referring to himself. Ha'amuros Balashan Rabim Keneged Tzibor. And those that are stated in the plural, that's referring to the Tzibor. Those are Tehillim that are in reference to the entire community. I want to pause here for a second to discuss a little bit about David HaMelech's soul. Um, this dialectic between the personal and the communal in Tehillim. I would say that... Uh, Another way to maybe uh, go ahead and resolve this is that all of Tehillim function on this dual level. All of Tehillim function on a communal level that David HaMelech had in mind every single Jewish person and every single type of person when he was saying Tehillim. And that uh, we can have them said in reference to community, but that there's also a deeply personal level to Tehillim as well. I could say the same psalm and I could be referring to all of us and I could be referring just to myself. So... What exactly does that mean for David HaMelech himself? How could he do such a thing? So there is a, a concept that I want to explain for a second, uh, is that David HaMelech was an encompassing soul. In, uh, in, our, in our tradition, we know that there are a few souls. There are a few souls that are called Nishamos Kalalos, or Nishama Kalalos, a general encompassing soul. For example, Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu is considered an encompassing soul, davens on behalf of the Jewish people, and saves them. Um, and Moshe Rabbeinu is seen Vayakil Moshe. I remember there's a, a statement from the Radomska Rebbe. He writes in his Tefer Shlomo, Vayakil Moshe is kol adas b'nei Yisrael. That Moshe Rabbeinu gathered, Parshas Vayakil, we'll get there in a few weeks. That Moshe Rabbeinu gathered together all of the congregation, adas b'nei Yisrael. So 
the Radomsker says that not only did Moshe Rabbeinu gather people around him to speak to them, but he literally gathered them unto himself. That Moshe Rabbeinu was, he uses the words for Adas, Ayin, Dalid, Tov, to say that Moshe was Vayakel, the Das, the Dalid, Ayin, Tov, the same letters, the Das of Bnei Israel. The Moshe Rabbeinu, a great leader, has the ability to understand the mindsets and to understand where everybody is coming from. Um, it's, this, is, this is a lesson for any type of leader. If you're, for example, an educator and you don't understand all your uh, students, both as a community of learners, which is a buzzword in education nowadays, and also as individuals, so you will likely be failing at your job. If you're a rabbi in a community or a teacher in a community, so if you don't understand the stories of everybody that's coming to your table, if you don't understand where they're coming from and who they are and what their needs are and how you speak to them, so then you're not, uh, you're not necessarily doing your job the proper way. And this obviously finds its expression even in the business world, deal, but everywhere a leader is somebody that goes ahead and is able to encompass those that those of which they purport to lead. David Amelch is also considered an Ishama Kolelis uh, or an Ishama Kolelis. David Amelch is an encompassing soul. A few proofs to speak to this, a few uh, sources that we could gesture to. The Zohar and the Midrashim tell us that David Amelch uh, ha- who lived for 70 years, ruled for 40 years, started to rule at the age of 30, uh, quite a young age, I guess, for a regent. David HaMelech took his 70 years, according to the Medrash, from Adam HaRishon. Adam HaRishon sacrificed 70 years. Um, for example, I, I, don't, I didn't mean to get too deep into this, not the, that kind of a sheer, but the, the name Adam Aleph, Dalid, Mem, refers to three individuals who are encompassing souls. Adam HaRishon, the first first human being who includes all the souls that come afterwards and then Adam that's the Aleph Dalit is for David HaMelech who is the start of the end of history who starts his Davidic line which eventually leads to the Messiah which is the Mem the Mem in Adam refers to Mashiach Adam, David, Mashiach these are three the Messiah these are three Neshamas, Kalalos these are three souls that encompass everybody David HaMelech has a spark of Adam and he has an aspect of Mashiach in his personality as well and the encompassing nature of those souls both the soul that starts history and the soul that wraps up history eventually Uh, that's a uh, that is referred to in uh, in the Zohar and the Midrashim. A second, uh, a second more accessible way to look at this comes from the Rambam. The Rambam in Hilchos Malachim. So we're moving quickly. We're going from the Radamskar to the Zohar to the Rambam to Maimonides. We're all over the place. But the Rambam writes in Hilchos Malachim, Perek Vav, uh, Halacha Gimel. The Rambam has a number in the last volume of the, of the Mishnah Torah. The Rambam goes ahead. I'm sorry, I have a little cold. The Rambam goes ahead and, uh, and talks about the laws of a Jewish king and, uh, and how Jewish monarchy and courts are supposed to function. So he writes the following, Melech Lev Kol HaKahal. Right, not something you would expect to hear from the Rambam in a book of Halacha, but the Rambam says that the king is the heart of the entire community. And that draws off another idea that the very word for king, I know we're playing around with a lot of Hebrew letters tonight, the word for king is... What's the Hebrew word for Melech, Mem, Lamed, Chaf, which is the same letters as everyone. Kaf, Lamed, Mem, Kulam. Melech, Osios, Kulam. David, Melech, Yisrael encompasses everybody. That's what we mean by David and Melech being a Neshama, Kolelis. Finally, we, we, uh, we tried uh, to no avail uh, to say Kiddush Levana, Matzei Shabbos. And in Kiddush Levana, one of the words, and it's become an important song, I guess, David Melech Yisrael Chai Vekayim. David Melech wasn't just a historical figure, but that we say David Melech is alive and well, alive and amongst us. Now, 
I would love to see David Amelech. They said apparently that he was a redhead, that he had a red beard. Um, but I, I don't know. I haven't seen David Amelech. Maybe one day we will. David Amelech is Chayvakayim. What exactly could that mean? It means that the soul of David Amelech is still within and amongst us and animates us. Gam uh, Hayom even to this very day, in that when we go ahead and we look at the moon and see the renewal of the Jewish people symbolized by the lunar cycle, the waxing and waning of the moon, comparable to the waxing and waning of the Jewish people throughout history, so that we refer first to our king, we refer first to David HaMelech, and understand that he is indeed Chai Vakayim. What David HaMelech said to us, what David HaMelech taught us, what David HaMelech's soul was meant to inculcate with us, as is recorded in Tanakh, is Chai Vakayim, still very much alive and well, and I would say that the greatest expression of David HaMelech being alive and well is the fact that we sing his words, the deepest outpourings of David HaMelech's soul. Uh, words that I would be embarrassed if it wasn't written in Tilm, I would be embarrassed to express them in public, right? I would be embarrassed to go ahead and express such deep yearnings, such deep feelings together, right? Who can talk about the pain and suffering that they've experienced and, and be honest and speak that openly with people? Uh, you need to have a lot set up in order to be able to have that vulnerability. David Amelch gave us language with which to express that, which means that we link up the very, uh, the very deepest peregrinations of our soul, how it goes back and forth with the soul of David Amelch thousands of years later it gives expression to how we interact with God David Melch Yisrael lastly uh, according to the Kabbalah in the uh, Sefer Derech Mitzvah which is uh, from the Tzemach Tzedek I believe uh, one of the uh, one of the seven Levavitcher Rebbe's the Tzemach Tzedek in his work on the mitzvahs called Derech Mitzvah on the mitzvah of Minoi HaMelech on the mitzvah of appointing a king says that Davin HaMelech is associated with the sphere he's associated with the concept of Malchus now if uh, if, if you're not familiar, basically there are ten divine emanations according to the Kabbalah, ten ways in which God's, uh, God's uh, ultimate unity, unknowable, inscrutable unity is expressed in this world. The lowest of them is the sphere of Malchus, of kingship. That's the way, that's, we, all, we also call that Shechina. That's what we're referring to Shechina. It's God's imminence in this world, the way God interacts with us in this world, the knowable part of God, if, if we could say such a thing. Uh, we say that the sphere of Malchus in Kabbalah, that sphere of kingship, of ruler, uh, is, is one that encompasses all the other spherot, all the other divine emanations that come before it, packages them for us in a way that we can understand and grasp while still in this world. All of this is to say that when we have a machlokis between Rav Lazar and Rabbi Yeshua and the Chachamim about whether or not David was saying his Tehillim, referring to himself or referring to the community, actually it's the same thing. That when David Amelch is referring to himself, he's referring to community, and he's referring to the community, he's referring to himself, and something that reverberates throughout all generations. That David, so this is the reason I think that this is so crucial is because it gives a rubric for which we could go ahead and frame uh, Tehillim whenever we say them, understanding that we're not just reading scripture. It's very easy to read Shmuel Bet and to say, well, that's something that happened in the time of, of Shmuel and David, who are historical figures that lived and walked the earth and, and, and served God. And, and their, their actions recorded for us for posterity to learn from. But Tehillim is a live book. Uh, in a way that that the rest of Tanakh uh, maybe doesn't maybe doesn't access because it becomes a language for us to use uh, in in a very real and immediate way. That's uh, that's what I that's that's my little Dvar Torah on this on this machloket between Keneged Sibor and Keneged Atzmo. Just to toss a little uh, uh, toss a little wrench your way. Interestingly enough, if you parse this machloket, Rav Lazar is a Shamuti. Rav Lazar Shamuti, who he comes from Beit Shammai, which is associated with the kind of uh, 
a kind of strictness in halachic sense and maybe an individual focus. And Rabbi Yeshua is uh, from Beis Hillel. And they have many, many machloks in, uh, throughout uh, the Gemara of Rulaz and Rabbi Yeshua themselves. Uh, not to mention Beis Hillel and Beis Shammai. Rabbi Yeshua comes from the house of, of Hillel, which could be said to be more oriented towards the community, more oriented towards communal needs and the failings of the community, and, and thus uh, generally more of a lenient approach. I'll leave that uh, for, any, uh, for anybody that wants to go ahead and to plumb the depths of this uh, Gemara a little bit more. The Gemara continues. The Gemara says, we talked about the ten languages of Tehillim, the ten ways in which Tehillim are expressed. Nitzuach v'nigun la'asid lavo. And if you want to refer back, you could just look at the very first source, which is the source we did last week, which taught us about the ten different languages, the ten different expressions of which Tehillim finds itself. Nitzuach v'nigun. Those two reference la'asid lavo, their future Tehillim. They're Tehillim that refer to a future state of things. Maskil, we talked about that last week. Divrei Ayyamim said, Halavim ha-maskilim seichel tov la-Hashem. That when the Levim would sing, it was called a, a maskil, right? Um, and for sure, kind of musical notation, as are many other things in Tehillim, uh, meant to indicate to us how it's supposed to be sung, the cadence, the instruments, who, what occasion. Much of Tehillim have that koteret, have that uh, introductory uh, phrasing at the beginning, uh, much, of, much of which has been lost to us, much of which, which uh, is true meaning has been obscured uh, since the destruction of the Besamikdash and the loss of the Levim, the Levites which would sing in the, who would sing in the temple. However, uh, this word maskil, we say al yidei turgamon. That meant that the that the singing was done through an interpreter, through a translator. Um, if I, I would, I was like joking around with friends that if I wanted to associate every one of the ten different types of tehillim of of types of song, so maskil would be like spoken word, maybe that's what you would find. Maskil would be the audible of the tehillim. So he says ledavid mizmor. We're familiar with tehillim that begin with ledavid mizmor. Malamed sheshasa alav shechina. That teaches us when we say Mizmor Ledavid that in the beginning, very specific, very specific things, right? These words aren't just tossed out. Every word in, in Tehillim is weighed and, and, and assessed for what it's supposed to teach us about the particular psalm. So Ledavid Mizmor, when the psalm starts off with those words, that indicates to us that first, David HaMelech had a about of Ruach HaKodesh, right? He had a, not about, it's a good thing. He was overcome with the divine spirit, with the prophetic spirit, the spirit of God. And then he sang. In that, in that fit of inspiration, David HaMelech found uh, expression for the divine inspiration he had, and he would sing. That, that's, Ledav, that's Ledavid Mizmor. Mizmor Ledavid, which we're also familiar with, is the opposite effect. Melamed Sha'amar Shira teaches us that David HaMelech was singing the Charkach Sharta of Shechina and through his song, Shechina, the divine inspiration, rested upon him and he was filled with the divine inspiration. Two dialectical moves over here. One could almost say, um, in, in Kabbalist, I hate to do this because I don't really understand Kabbalah, but, but, but there is a concept in Kabbalah and, and, and the language is, is useful for us for understanding spiritual phenomena, uh, at least for our purposes, uh, of two different types of tenuo, uh, two different types of movement. One of them is called Itrauta uh, Dilatata and one is called Itrauta Dilaela. And I think that this Mizmor Lidavid and Lidavid Mizmor are, are expressions of these ideas. Itruta Dilatata is that there's a type of relationship with God, a type of, uh, of, of way in which we interact with the divine, which starts from us. 
we push ourselves, we do something, we say something, and, 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 and by setting all those things up, we're able to then thereupon go up. We're able to thereupon experience a spiritual moment, a moment of clarity, a moment of illumination. On the other hand, there's what we call itraut de delayla, that sometimes without preparation, without hachana, without any type of, of, of action on our parts, I mean, obviously something has to be in place for us to be the kind of person that would experience such a thing, but the divine spirit rests upon us. We feel, right? There's, there's these moments that we feel uh, connected. Somebody, someone might say spiritual. Someone might say, so that happens. So the David Mizmor, where David HaMelech had the Shekhinah upon him, and thereupon went ahead and did something with it and sang Shira, we could say that that's That was something coming from above and, 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 and descending below. And David HaMelech sang Shira. He would, he would give expression to that by by singing Tehillim, by producing music. On the other hand, Mizmor le David represents Yitruta de Latata, something that's coming from below, David HaMelech playing and doing that which he knew, and through doing that which he knew, and through going through those motions, he would open himself up to a spiritual experience. Now, obviously, the lesson is quite clear for us uh, in our own spiritual usage, and I did, I did say that I want these classes to be practical. People are telling me, I, I struggle with Tehillim, or I didn't learn Tehillim, or, 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 or how do we go ahead and access it better? And part of, part of the practicality of this is that we experience this many times with our own song. Oh, you know, I'll give an example. It happens every once in a while. You know, Shirley, I remember in your house, so we said, um, thanks for coming tonight. So we said, we, we decided we wanted to go ahead and do, um, this is a perfect example of what I mean over here, right? If you don't give examples, it's not real. Um, so, so we did, we decided once upon a time with uh, Chazen Yanki that we wanted to go ahead and we wanted to do a Friday night tish. Now, in, in the city, I, I didn't experience this growing up in the suburbs. Maybe it's just because I'm, I'm like, I guess, an adult now, and it's just, everything is harder. But, but it's, it's hard to get out on Friday night. You know, uh, you know, you have to walk downstairs, you have to go, you have to, something about the city. You know, once you get into your apartment, you're ensconced, you're safe, you're good. It, it, it's like a little cocoon. That's the apartment. But to get people out on a Friday night and to gather... So we're always wondering when we talk about these programs, you know, who will come, will they come, will it be meaningful... And we started out, and it, was, it seemed to be going, I'll confess, it seemed to be going. We decided to do uh, a tish with Chazen Lemmer, Rabbi Robinson, myself were there, and uh, Shirley and Mark opened up their house to do so. And we go, and, and at the beginning, as people are trickling in and eating and feeling out the scene, and it feels uh, kind of stale almost, right? Where's the moment that we're seeking? This is in everything that I, that I experience at Shul. And then all of a sudden, we started singing Yankee's beautiful voice, right? It has this way in which it touches people. Right? You, you see a person's the absolute top per, uh, of, of performance when it comes to chazanas and singing songs. And then, uh, then we started singing our own songs. I remember I was singing uh, Journey songs, which I know by heart. And I turn over, I hope you won't be embarrassed, I turn over and I see Mark crying. I see Mark crying. And so I can't help because I'm a crybaby, I cry too. And people pick up on that and all of a sudden the spirit starts to move us. And, and, and we sing. And we even got to Simon and Garfunkel, but we sang something that we put ourselves in the position, a, a Ms. Morley David position. We put ourselves in a position where, where we said we want to accomplish something, we want to feel Shekhina, we want to feel that spiritual moment. So the Itruta Dilatata is in an apartment in the city where we gather people together, we plan, we have the food there, we have, we have the great singer there, Lush. right? Yeah, low floor also, that too. It's easy for people to get there. Helpful doorman, right? But we get there and all of a sudden, a Friday night was had in our community in which people had a spiritual experience. Shar Saleh Mishchina. No different, I mean, different in, 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 in degree, but no different in kind. 
than what David Amelech experienced. I would say that that's everything that we do in Judaism. We set ourselves up properly for a Mizmor Ledavid moment. The Shechina will be Shora on you. The Shechina will be Shora on you. Yeah. Thank you. But where in the Tehillim, whether it's Mizmor or Ledavid Mizmor, where in the Tehillim the words start to connect to you? Right? Just a line. Right, like like a like a, a doe going ahead and 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 and, and quenching her thirst. Um, on flowing springs. So too, my soul pines for you, God. So what does that mean? Does that mean I'm a big tzaddik when I say my soul pines for you, God? Pining can happen in different ways. I, I desire, right? When am I going to go ahead and see the face of God? David Amelech gives expression, right? Don't you want to see, don't you want to know what's behind the chaos of this world? Don't you want to know how to explain? You think also the key is what you said is this music. Yeah, true, true, true. true. But even without the the words themselves also, what I'm trying to say is that part of it is that before I was preparing these shirim and before I saw the source, I don't think I really knew what Mizmor Ledavid and Ledavid Mizmor were were meant to indicate. And yet I I said them almost every day of my life. And if I don't know what these words are meant to indicate, then how am I supposed to use the tool of tilling like we said last week? It is a tool. It's it's, it's meant to be used. It's meant to be deployed in in our spiritual life to great effect, hopefully. So so if I don't know what these things mean, and and I'm not faulting anybody, right? I include myself in this. If we don't study it, if we don't don't learn about it, then how do... And 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 Tehillim is perfect because when I was thinking about these shirm, we do it every day. We do it every day. And and yet if you go to, to, to... Maybe I'm wrong, but if you go to the majority of people and say, when you say the David Mizmor, do you know what kind of a Tehillim are you saying? What kind of a spiritual movement is that meant to, uh, is that meant to engender in you? What are you supposed to be thinking about? I think the majority of them will be like, I don't know, a, a, a psalm to David. Right? A psalm to David, which is great because that's the translation in the art, in the art scroll, that does nothing for me. But if you say that this particular Mizmor is talking about David Amelik struggling to, to, to do something in order to feel the presence of God upon him, so then all of a sudden the whole, the whole Tehillim is meant to be seen in a different way. And that's why eventually, once we're finished with these preambles, eventually we'll get there. Once we're finished with this introductory material and we start to look at the individual psalms, we'll see how that blossoms. We'll see how that comes to life. And knowing the proper ones. But, that's, but that kind of understanding, that, that leads me to read a line like, To see it in a completely different light. It allows me to personalize when I understand it. It allows me to go ahead and to, and, and to internalize in a way that, that can happen if I simply look at the words on a sitter. Or, or even I'll say in, in, a more, in a more biting kind of way, even if I'm saying to him, I'm told to say to him, God forbid, for somebody that's sick, mm-hmm. right? And I'm saying to him because I know they're a good thing. But I don't understand why I'm saying the Tehillim. I don't understand how these Tehillim refer to a spiritual, right? That I say, you know, uh, another example. Um... We were saying to Hillim for something in MDS. I hope he doesn't get angry at me also. We're saying to Hillim for something in MDS. Sometimes at the Mincha I say to Hillim before we start davening. So to Hillim, what's the most uh, readily known, you know, so that, uh, so that middle schoolers can sing along? So, Shiram Alus, Mimama Kim Kirasi Hashem. I know where the page is, right? It comes right before you. Mimama Kim Kirasi Hashem. Hashem Shemaba Kaliti Anos Necha Kashivus God, please listen to my voice. Just be attuned, call to the sound of my supplications, to the sound of my begging. 
Rabbi Schwartz, Rabbi Alan Schwartz is a Bucky in Tanakh, big Talmud Chacham, right? So Rabbi, who I look up to very much, Rabbi Schwartz came over to me and he gently said to me, he said, you know, Rabbi, maybe you should pick a different uh, Mizmor Tehillim to say. I said, why? Can you explain to me? I said, first, no problem, of course. Can you explain why? He said, because if you really look at the words and you really understand this, Tehillim was traditionally only meant to be said in times of real, real communal tragedy and on the Aser Tshuva. It's not a daily Tehillim. It's not something, those words are, those words are big words, Right? Those words are not words in which you say every day, and, and they have special significance and special purpose, and they're special times. And he said, I, I said, can you show me a different one? He said, here, that's a better one. People know it. That's one to say, and it's more appropriate. Why is Rabbi Schwartz able to go ahead and do something like that? Because I guarantee you, Rabbi Schwartz knows uh, everything that there is to, not everything, I'm sure he would demur. Rabbi Schwartz knows Tehillim. Rabbi Schwartz understands what those words mean. He was able to say, when you're using this psalm, here's the way in which you use it. Well, that's what I would want to aspire to. That kind of familiarity and facility with the language of Tilm, with this tool, allows me to use it better. Right? But to talk, but, but, and, and, and Martin, I wish I could do it now, but to talk about the words not having meaning, it, it, part of that is framing it with the knowledge of what the words are supposed to indicate and what, and, and what frame of mind and what framework we're supposed to understand them in. And part of that is also, um, part of that is also, is, is also paying really close attention to, to what lies beyond the translation. Translations fail us. That's why we learn. That's why we study. A psalm to David. Psalm to David. A, right? a psalm to, to David. It's yeah. not a psalm it's, to David. David wrote a psalm for us to feel. Nachon. 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 Does that do anything for you? It doesn't no, no, do anything for me. But Mizmor David talking about a struggle to experience spirituality and connecting that to things that I've experienced, that's a different thing entirely. That's a different thing entirely. Nitzuch v'nigun lasid lava maskele yedei turgaman ledavid mizmor melamid sheshar salav shechina v'achar kach amra shira mizmor ledavid melamid sheamra shira v'achar kach sharta lav shechina lelamdecha. This teaches us she'ein hashechina that the shechina that the divine presence rests upon a person. Lo, turning the page, mitoch atzlus not through laziness. Velo mitoch atzvus not through sadness. Lo mitoch schok. Not through mirth and mockery, Vlomitoch Kalis Rosh, and not through lightheadedness, Vlomitoch Devarim Betelim, and not through frivolous things, Elimitoch Devar Simcha Shal Mitzvah. But rather, you want to feel the Shechina? Mar tells us that the Shechina rests upon us through Simcha, through the joy of Mitzvah. Shene Emar, as it says in Melachim, Ve'ata Kuli Minagain, Shalom Elach says, Send to me. The player, the minstrel. And he will play like the player, right? He will play the music like the player. I'll explain what this means in a second. And the hand of God will be upon him. So, what does that mean? What does that mean? So, so that means, right? I would translate that as just play. Just play the, play the music. Right? Sometimes when you just start to jam out, eventually you find the notes, eventually you find that line, eventually you find that, that, that musical thread that flows and, 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 and hits different points, peaks and valleys and, 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 and the different expression of the soul. You could go through all that in one song. Right? That David HaMelech, as he would play, so the spirit would descend upon him as he would play. You'd get caught up in the music. Let the music, right? Let, right? Let the music catch you up and, and, and take you away. 
That was David Melch. Just play the music. Simcha Shel Mitzvah. We know that David Melch was able to express himself through Simcha Shel Mitzvah. He's described when the Aron Hakodesh is coming back. David Melch is dancing in front of him. David Melch was was dancing, was dancing. Paroxysm dance right before the Aron Kodesh. Of course, uh, Micha Bashol uh, saw him outside from the window, got a little bit upset. How could a king conduct himself in such a way? That's a little bit ignominious, I think is the word, right? It's not the way, the conduct of a king. My father wouldn't have done that. David Amalek expresses himself with the joy of mitzvah. And the joy of mitzvah is expressed through this music playing is expressed through this. This happens, by the way, in contemporary music as well, right? So you see somebody uh, improvises in music, right? Somebody improvises and uh, they start to go ahead and like in jazz almost, we had the, we had the jazz uh, education group at, uh, at, uh, at MDS as part of our music curriculum. So, you know, so the, the drummer sets a beat, the piano starts to come in and the beat starts to syncopate a little bit and then you have the horn section comes in and punctuates that and all of a sudden the bassist comes in and before you know it, right, so you could, you could, you could have teased out the different threads before you know it, you have this, this thing in front of you, the music is alive, it's pulsating, you feel something, emotions come out from the music, it speaks to us. So that's how David Amalek taught us, you want to feel divine inspiration it's not through laziness it takes effort not through sadness you have to pick yourself out of that it's not through mockery God forbid you have to take it seriously surely not meaningless frivolous things but rather through simcha shal mitzvah through the joy of mitzvah as we said take from me the, the music player let him just play and the hand of God the spirit of God shall descend upon him so I, I, I see that we're about to run out of time. Maybe I'll introduce, um, still a lot more to do. We still haven't finished these sheets. But, uh, but I want to talk a little bit about the authorship of Tehillim that I mentioned. We know that there's 10 different languages of Tehillim. So maybe I'll whet our appetites for next week, Amir Tzashem. Uh, the 10 different languages of Tehillim also correspond to the 10 different individuals with whom we associate the composition of the individual psalms. Even though we were told earlier that David HaMelech is the Mechaber, he's the one that... that uh, David Amalek is the one who compiles and brings it all together. All of Sefer Tehillim is called uh, upon David, David Amalek's name. It's his book. Uh, there are ten authors in Tehillim. This comes from, uh, from Mesechus Bava Basra. Mesechus Bava Basra is a few pages around uh, folios 14 and 15, which talk about the authorship and the composition of the canon, of the Chavdalid, uh, Sifrei Tanakh, the 24 books of Tanakh, tells us who wrote them. David Kasav Sefer Tehillim Al Yidei Asar Zakenim. David Amelech wrote the book of Tehillim through ten Zakenim, ten elders. Who are they? Adam Arishon. So the first is Adam, we spoke a little bit about tonight. Aidei Malki Tzedek. We're familiar with Malki Tzedek through his dealings with Avram Avinu. Some people say that that's Shem, son of Noach, Shem ben Noach. Va'al Yidei Avraham. Avraham, who's also called uh, Eitan Ezrahi. Al Yidei Moshe. So Haman was another individual. And another individual is Yudusun. I'll explain who they are in a moment. So this starts with uh, some figures here you'd expect to see. And some figures here you're wondering who they are. So we're familiar with who Adam Arishon is, we're somewhat familiar with who Malkit Tzedek is, and we're also familiar with Avraham and Moshe. Who's Haman? So Haman lived in the days of David, 
And we know from Divrei Ayamim that Haman was the son of Yoel, who was the son of Shmuel Hanavi. And he, Shmuel Hanavi himself, interestingly enough, is of the descendants of Korach, the descendants of Korach who, uh, who waged an insurrection, a mutiny against Moshe, and uh, who's Ben Yitzar, Ben Kahas, Ben Levi. So he was one of the uh, singers. He was one of the members of the, of the Duchan of the Levium, one of the singers from the Levium in the Beis HaMikdash, and uh, was one of the choir masters in the Beis HaMikdash. That's Haman. Who's Yudusun? So Yudusun is from the family of Merari ben Levi, right? Another Levite family, another one of the singers. And he was the director, along with Haman, of the Levite choir in the Beis HaMikdash in the times of David HaMelech. Who's Asaf? Asaf is also a person from the times of David HaMelech. Hi. Is also a person from the times of David HaMelech. And, uh, and, and all three of these people were people that sang in the Beis HaMikdash. Shloshes B'nei Korach, three sons of Korach. We're going to have to spend some more time on. You might find that many of these individuals find themselves, at least uh, Haman and, uh, and the Shloshes B'nei Korach, uh, find themselves connected to this figure who's considered, uh, you know, irrevocably wicked, you know, that the Torah records him as having uh, fought a war against Moshe, failed war against Moshe. Um, but I think that there's actually a very, uh, uh, a very deep idea here. Maybe I'll leave you with this idea tonight. I leaned over to, uh, as, I was, um, as I was being makri this year, I leaned over as I was looking through the mizmor that we say before we blow shofar. Right, so why is it that right before we blow shofar, right, the, the instrument, the musical instrument, take a shofar, praise God with the, with the blast of the shofar that we invoke the sons of Korach. Sons of Korach, of course, were ones who did tshuva. And I would say that even though we gave the, the general idea, put all of Tehillim under the rubric of shvach, of praise to God, uh, the greatest praise of God, I would say, is also that all of Tehillim are in reference to tshuva as well. Songs of return, songs of repairing a relationship with Hashem, whether it's through sins or coming closer and doing tshuva, ala tshuva, and constantly saying, even though I've, I've repented, I want to still come closer yet to God Almighty. Uh, I think that that's why the figure of Korach and, and Korach's sons as well, that nothing is truly lost, that no individual is truly lost. And we see that even B'nai Banav Shal Korach, even the great-grandsons and grandchildren of Korach were those who sang Shiro, praised God in the Beis HaMikdash on the Duchan of the Levim, may it be returned to us. So even they were able to sing songs that were included in Tehillim. Um, We'll leave it at now, but we do know that there are 10 different individuals, not just David HaMelech, but David HaMelech channeled them and, and compiled them and brought these individuals' expressions of tshuva and of finding for God, also included in the work of uh, Tehillim. Um, uh, that's, uh, uh, in case this, this would be considered to be, unless you're, you're, unless you're finding out for the first time that David HaMelech didn't write all of Sefer Tehillim, you can rely on Rashi, who says uh, that they wrote it in David HaMelech Chibram Yachad, that David HaMelech compiled it all together, redacted it, if you will. Uh, we will stop here for tonight. Mir Tzashem next week. I'm sorry that we have one more shear of introduction. I hope that's okay with everybody. I really, really, really want to thank everybody for coming out.